0: Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California.
1: And I am Zach Paris, and I'm the pastor of Lutheran campus ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, coming to you live to tape at 48,000 hertz. 48,000 hertz being recorded on your Yeti cooler. On my Yeti cooler, we really should have gotten some sort of Yeti sponsorship in our list of sponsorships that that could have been. Yeti's one of them you would you would
0: think I mean, I just think it's a really interesting business model that you make both coolers
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and microphones.
1: It is but they do it
0: go together. <clears throat> and you sponsor the existence of uh, snow monsters? Right, snow monsters. Yeah. Snow monsters do seem to fit the cooler.
1: System better than
0: microphone. Is it just like to pick up the Yeti because it's hidden true. in the wild?
1: Maybe the Ye- Yeti will be there uh, <laughs> when the uh, the existence of Yeti is pr- proven. Though so I wonder, Matt. I, actually, I think this is the company's name is Blue. <laughs> I think and the Yeti <laughs> is the model. But yeah, yeah, ah, small detail, small details. Matt, I have uh, the exciting conclusion or not conclusion. The exciting second part. Of uh, Zach's Bicycle Drama. Oh. And I think our listeners are going to hear this in chronological order, so that's going to be good because I think I talked about <laughs> it in the first episode good. we recorded yesterday, which is good. what our listeners will experience as this last week's episode. Uh, previously on The Vinyl Preacher, uh, I took my bike my dad's bike, technically, that's 43 years old, 1978, Schwinn Traveler 3, to my local bike shop to see if they could help me out with the the axle problem I was having. And they said no, because it was too old and they did not want to deal with the liability of touching and working on my bicycle in any way. And I was offended because a similar thing happened to Matt, and I made fun of him a lot when he took his bicycle to REI, and they did not want to give it back to him because they did not feel it was safe for uh, a human to ride. Well, today, Matt, I went to a new shop. One of the benefits of living in Boulder is we have... Have, there is exactly one bicycle shop per person per capita. That's just how it <laughs> how it works. And I found a nonprofit here in town called Community Cycles, Matt, that does lots of really cool stuff. Uh, you know, because wow, I've got so many things to say. I I get super. I'm super intimidated by bicycle people, right? Like, as a person who's been involved in like quote unquote endurance sports, like running is is can be like snobby and stuff right but it's also like super simple like their shoes and that's that's all that's right. it right like that's like and so I, I, I used to know tons and tons about running shoes and and the main takeaway was they're like yeah you want good ones they're not that, they're not that important right uh, but bicycle people in bicycles I mean there's a million things right like so I took it into this place uh it's always intimidating to go in it seems like our record like a record shop like it's a similar kind of like yeah yeah (laughs) with like i mean it's got the whole like some of them you know have that like euro snobby sort of like they're like (laughs) dudes in like the little caps uh drinking cappuccinos uh or not cappuccinos straight espresso from italy you know Mm, yeah um
0: I mean, but like a record shop, you know, you've made it when you can walk in and be completely comfortable. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. <laughs> and that
1: feels like, a lot. I don't know if I want that kind of life <laughs> either. <Yeah. laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a nonprofit in town and, uh, they do lots of cool stuff. So like, you know, there's a whole cast of characters of employees and volunteers hanging out there today. And, uh if you need a bicycle you can apply to like get one from them and they'll give you a bicycle and stuff right like if you don't have the means to acquire a bicycle which is really cool but it's super like actually like a co-op not just like uh, a co-op in the sense that recreational uh, equipment incorporated is a is a co-op mm-hmm. and I walked in and you know I felt super self-conscious because I, I forgot my little bicycle cap and I I didn't have any coffee And uh, There were people there Who got really excited To help me And <laughs> Great Yeah And they didn't help me Exactly They didn't fix it Nothing's fixed Right That's why this is Just part two But uh, I've got to join Community Cycles now uh, Which is not too bad It's like 60 bucks a year And I I need to set up An appointment to come in Because I was just Going to buy a new wheel To replace the old wheel And they are like We could do that we don't really have one of those right now but like here's what you do so now I'm gonna join Community Cycles I'm gonna set up an appointment they have open like shop hours where you bring your bicycle in where you can work on your bicycle but it's not just like I thought that's what it was and I was like I don't know like (laughs) access to tools and stuff has not been a reason I've not worked on bicycles before (laughs) it's been lack of knowledge and not wanting to kill myself later on Uh, but they have shop mechanics who are there to help you do your own repairs and teach you how to do your own repairs to your own bicycle. Right. Wow. For free on top of your membership. Right. So I've got my appointment coming up. They said we can fix it, which is not the kind of look, the vibe I did not get that vibe at the other bicycle shop. (laughs) They're like, oh yeah, this would be a pretty easy fix. Like it'd be in about an hour. And the other guy was like, never ride that bicycle again. You know? incredible so to be continued in the uh, early September episodes of this podcast that's very exciting I'm doing it and then I have used bicycle I'm kind of in the market for a new bicycle one that like I can ride on the roads uh, and be safer feel (laughs) like not you know one from this millennia and uh, Mm so And, and bicycles are so expensive the whole thing is so crazy it is it is
0: yeah I mean that might be helpful to have a safe bicycle if you're riding alongside a five year old I don't know I guess I mean I, I don't care about that part
1: but like me <laughs> you know we, I live in a pretty bicycle friendly place but <laughs> clearly
0: the number of shops that teach you to fix your own bike Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Right. laughs>
1: that's great that's very exciting speaking of sports man Uh, Number one, congratulations to your Phoenix (laughs) Suns. My beloved Phoenix Suns, who I truly
0: have rooted for uh, since the mid-90s. That's almost (laughs) as old as my bicycle. It is as old as my bicycle. I think my 94 was when I, uh, you know, after Jordan retired, I was in the market for another... Favorite player, so I went to, to the second best player in the NBA, uh, Thunder Dan Marley, KJ, uh, and and uh, started started following the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they, those were pretty fun years. You know, the Bulls mm-hmm. like they were still good. So I don't know why we didn't. I guess it's just like too much of a drop off. Uh, but my brothers and I each adopted a team. I adopted the Phoenix Suns. Uh, my brother Greg adopted the Orlando Magic. He's a big Penny Hardaway yeah. fan. Huge Penny Hardaway fan. In fact, such a big Penny Hardaway fan. That he named his daughter Penny <laughs> <laughs> This is a real thing a Real thing And she's still uh, very small So we get to call her Little Penny It's great <laughs> yeah. uh, Incredible stuff um, and, uh, and Kevin adopted the Charlotte Hornets Your mm. beloved legiti- Legitimately <laughs> Single team uh, The Charlotte Hornets And was a huge Muggsy Bogues fan That was
1: his, his player you had to love Muggs the worst defensive player in the history of the NBA. (laughs) I think you can tell a lot about a person based on how much they liked Penny Hardaway. (laughs) Like, I've met a couple of people in my life who are big Penny Hardaway fans and and it makes sense. Like, it's a a tight. It makes sense.
0: It's not a negative
1: thing. It's just... Penny, I would like to see a whole study on the people who, like, got super into Penny Hardaway. Man,
0: I mean, the mid-90s... Orlando Magic it was a it was
1: a whole thing cause he had this whole like cult following but it, but it was strange because he was definitely not the best player on his team like Shaq was clearly yeah. better but yeah. Shaq didn't have that sort of like I don't know if Shaq ever had that kind of like fandom really you know like I don't know any like Shaq fans right that's yeah the way they're like yeah. Kobe people and LeBron people, <laughs> right? Uh, so,
0: yeah, those are some mid '90s uh, sports news, which is why you tune into this. That's why you do podcast. it. Podcast, but in 2021, the Phoenix Suns are in the finals again for the first time since probably '93. '93, yeah, it's probably, yeah. So, uh, good, good for them. Zach's a big Chris Paul fan. Really? CP <laughs> three,
1: awesome. the point guard.
0: <laughs> when he, now who did he like, cause he used to play for the, the Hornets, right? But was that just in New Orleans or did he just play in for New them? In,
1: just in New Orleans. Very sadly, CP three was drafted. Uh, I believe a pick or so after the Charlotte Bobcats drafted another point guard who went to college in North Carolina, uh, who did not have as successful professional career, Raymond Felton. Um, We had two picks in the top ten that year, and we selected Raymond Felton and Sean May. Who? uh, Oh wow! Incredible careers. Well, incredible. Yeah, I mean, it could be considered that. I mean, Ray Felton was like a an NBA player, you know. Yeah. So you know, like you know, there is a crapshoot element to it. I could have told you at the time. uh, I did actually watch all those guys play a lot in college because I. Went to so many basketball games in college, and uh, Chris Paul was at Wake Forest, and of course, Ray Felton and Sean May were at uh, Chapel Thrill at the time, and uh, I could have told you, CP3, much better than Raymond Felton. Uh, I did say something offensive to Sean May one time that he definitely heard... Because the way it worked is the student seating at at Clemson basketball game, which was not very competitive to do because historically, and especially while I was there, we were not good at basketball. So you got to stand on the baseline. You didn't have seats. You just stood there next to the baseline. Uh, And so you got to be so close and yell things at people. The fun thing at the time was Sean May... I think he's still with her. I don't know. Uh, I did see that I've been unfriended by her on Facebook. But a girl that I grew up with and went to high school with uh, was, and I think it is, still is, Sean May's girlfriend or wife. Um, Sean May's on the staff there in Chapel Hill now. So. Oh, wow. But he only lasted a, couple, a year or two in the league before he ended up in Europe for a while. And yeah.
0: The name is familiar because his father was, was on the that team defeated
1: Indiana team. Oh my gosh. It
0: was Bob Knight. So many so many connections. But that was the North Carolina team that beat the University of Illinois. Is that That's correct? right. 05, yeah. Yeah. And my brother was at Illinois <laughs> at the time. And <laughs> Illinois, you know, North Carolina they, they have, they've been there a few times. <laughs> Illinois, this doesn't happen that often, you know? Like Surprisingly it was really so. It doesn't happen that often. And we were so we hated that North Carolina team because
1: yeah, you just do. <laughs> those three point guards all got drafted, like, I think, in succession. Uh, Chris Paul, Ray Felton, and Darren Williams was at Illinois. And uh, the Bobcats had one of those picks and went with <laughs> Ray Felton. And Darren Williams flamed out, but there was, like, a couple <laughs> years of starting, you know. So, Hang on. Uh, I got somebody here. Give me two minutes. Alright. Are we back? We're back after that commercial break, this podcast, of course, commercial. brought to you by Yetis. <laughs> is that the That's it, you did it.
0: That was good. Yeah. Okay. Good. That I think
1: good. that's John Tesh. That, uh, that is John Tesh wrote it. Like yeah. he was mm-hmm. like on a on a voicemail, like on a answering uh, answer machine, I think he were reco- like there's oh. a new, there's an interesting story what? behind it. Look it up. Listeners, if you care deeply about John Tesh writing a jingle for the NBA on NBC, he performs it live care at his concerts. So. What? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. You can YouTube. I know a guy who's done this. You can search YouTube for John Tesh concert footage where he plays the NBA on NBC footage or er, jingle live. Incredible. Incredible! What's going stuff. on, Matt? We, I missed you there. That was seven minutes. You told me you were going to be gone for two minutes. What's, what's happening in your part? Well, of the world
0: uh, here? much like David, uh, we're building a house, <laughs> <laughs> or rather, rebuilding uh, a temple, to mm. be more precise than a house, a temple. Rebuilding. Uh, I've probably talked about it here before. We've been trying to. We've been remodeling about half our building uh, for a new preschool that'll serve low-income families in our community doing this in partnership with the local hospital that sees it par- as part of their mission to uh, support public health in the community. Uh so that's what we're doing. Uh, but we have a 50-year-old building uh with like many churches lots of deferred maintenance. So it has also required a lot of stuff uh that never ends and we are now racing to the finish line uh and so there's just stuff all the time. So you might even hear uh some power washing happening out the window cuz these Yeti mics pick up everything. Um, that's what we're doing. Just, I'm just trying to tap into my inner David and, and rebuild the temple.
1: Build bit. the temple, not re. Just build. Just build. We don't have to rebuild it yet. That's, that's coming, though. <laughs> that's coming. <laughs> uh, perhaps that leads us, Matt, into uh, you're referencing a little thing that we like to call the text. The text. 2
0: Samuel 7, 1-14a. It's uh, a long one. Now, when David the king... Was settled in his house He's got a house And the Lord had given him rest From all his enemies around him Thank goodness uh, That he doesn't have to go out there That dude was so those. tired of, of fighting it Must be winter spring, and not spring Every spring <laughs> The king said to the prophet Nathan I believe this is the first appearance of Nathan The king said to the prophet Nathan See now I am living In a house of cedar But the ark of God Stays in a tent That's that's not right. Nathan said to the king, go, well, do, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. I say that a lot, too. Someone comes to me with a good idea, and I go, ah, that sounds great. Go do it. Have fun. That's great. Is that what you told the person support at your that.
1: office door just now?
0: I did, actually. She had an idea uh, for this Sunday, and I said, great. I'll look forward to you doing that. That's great. <laughs> um, I really did, because <laughs> we have a kind of relationship. Um, but that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, are you the one to build me a house to live in? Oh, so Nathan said it was fine, but then that night the Lord's like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. You ever have that happen? You said yes something and then you go to bed and then you wake up the night Mm. going, shoot. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house. (laughs) <laughs> Since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle, wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Did I ever ask that? I did not. I did not. No a well, That'd be good. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Woof! <laughs> the Lord will make you, gonna you a house.
1: you going to build me a house? No, no, no. Um, I'm let me tell me. you
0: when, uh, when that's going to happen. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors. So I guess this is more like a crypt. Wait a second. Uh, fun, (laughs) maybe not I don't know, I will raise up, but when you're dead uh, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, well kind of, and I will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me word of God, word of life
1: in Russia, the house builds you (laughs) <laughs> what is that from? I don't know. It's the whole like <laughs> I don't know. In Russia, the bear hunts you. You just you just always reverse <laughs> things. That's basically what God Mexican comes back for, with here is getting
0: ready for Black Widow. He's just really excited <laughs> about
1: Black Widow. This I believe was the Bible reading the the passage that Drake was referencing when he said we started in the pasture, now we're here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right. here you go the whole flock whole flock here it's,
0: uh, it's a fun it's kind of a fun rating
1: this is a pretty is good fun. one yeah God flips it on his head mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of
0: room for um, for oh my gosh can you hear that a little bit not too bad not too bad okay not too bad good mm-hmm. super <laughs> super fun stuff here Uh, David's got an idea, uh, God has a different idea, turns the tables, uh, and establishes some important things. Um, I've got some notes here from, uh, Walter Brueggemann from the last time that I, uh, that we studied this text three years ago. And Brueggemann talks about the tension between the temple and the ark. Um, the temple and the ark. The ark is this thing that moves around. The temple is in one place. Uh, and he says, whereas the ark articulates God's freedom and mobility, the temple retains the danger and possibility that God might depart. Mm. Uh, and he also sees this kind of danger in the temple. He says, Yahweh will not be bought off, controlled, or domesticated by such mm. a luxury. Whew, you got to love Bergman. Yahweh has been a free God and will continue to be a free God, the royal apparatus is not able to make Yahweh its patron. <laughs> so he sees this as about God's freedom; that God is not about to be domesticated by David's house of cedar. Uh,
1: interesting stuff. It's interesting stuff. Oh, I mean, there's such such an echo to maybe a month ago when the people demanded a king, and God's like, "Oh, you don't need a king. You don't need a king." Um, there's another echo of it, right? Like, we need a castle. Uh, he's like, you don't. Right. God doesn't quite as clearly say here you don't need a castle, but there is some of that to say, like, well, you can have a castle. I don't need a castle. (laughs) I mean, it's almost like taking it to, like, you need a king, don't you, God? (laughs)
0: It's like, no, I don't
1: need a king. I mean, if you want one, I guess we could do it. Um, (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, and God does uh, accommodate the people in that way. Accommodate David, but does it in God's own way, right? Where he's like, well, you're not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> but I'll let your son do it. And yeah. in that way, like, God retains, like, oh, let's let's remember who's in charge. Like, we'll let you do it, because I know you guys are going to keep asking me this. But we're going to do it my way.
1: Uh, Frank Sinatra. God. <laughs> you don't <know> to <laughs> Frank get Sinatra the goes. old Frankie. God. But you get it here. Um... My suggestion this week, Matt, of course, is to to make your hay here in this uh, reading because we're about to hear a reading that's not super inspirational uh, in uh, in the gospel. And and there's a lot to say to most congregations. I one of the fun tensions that we have on this podcast, Matt, is that you have a building, St. Mark's has a building, and you've got cranes. I wondered if you were going there. Uh, And I, uh, as a the pastor of a much more faithful ministry. Uh, we do not have a house of cedar, uh, <laughs> though we do benefit from <laughs> an Episcopal parish that does have a house of cedar that we enjoy having a room in uh, and being able to do stuff inside of it. And and it feels like the the kind of like church speak thought in vogue thing is to help like churches let go of like buildings a bit mm-hmm. to help them think about maybe you don't need a building maybe <laughs> church isn't just the building like and you know there was plenty of that with pandemic stuff like the church is still happening it's just not in the building um yeah and you know I get to live with all of the for 10 years now I've gotten to live with all of the benefits that come from not having a building that I don't I have never gotten the call in the middle of the night because there is flooding right like or a pipe yeah. you know i don't I don't have to deal with any of that, and we can have picked up our tent and moved, you know uh, and we can do whatever we want to do and yet um uh I might also be one of the first people to tell you how helpful it would be if i uh it is to have access to a building one and two like how how important and an asset it can be to be leveraged for for ministry like mm-hmm. i mean like you're lifting up right like if you didn't have a building you couldn't do this preschool thing like it wouldn't happen you know um yeah nobody else would do it so i'm not anti-building yeah. at all as a person who's lived <laughs> with not having building stuff um yeah if anything you know i think I'm probably more pro-building than lots of people who have buildings, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good, it's a really good tension. I mean, I think the tension um, that Brueggemann talks about with this, like, uh, temple and and ark is, like you said, it's one we still have today, right? Like, I was just on a call with folks that were like, oh, we put so much into our buildings. Like, all these churches, like, they just put money in their buildings. And I'm like, oh, I just put a million dollars into this building. But for what I think is a really good purpose, like, I don't think it's, like, building bad. um, But it's, like, yeah, the building actually can be a really good tool for gathering. Um, And even with what you're describing, right, it's, like, um, it's good for somebody to have a building because we need places to gather. Maybe not every group of 10 people who want a church needs a full building. We have a lot Mm -hmm. of that here in L.A. where it's, like, we need to share a building, all that kind of stuff. But it'd be good for somebody to have a building. uh, Maybe with some air conditioning when it's really, really hot outside. You know, all that good stuff. Um, And yet, at the same time, before we get to pro building, uh, we do easily get stuck in our building, right? Where it's like, well, this is where church happens. And I do my thing at church. And then, like... There, there is also value in, like, a text like this where God reminds the people, like, okay, we'll do a building, but I don't want you to ever forget that that's not the place where you can, like, bind me and hold me, right? That I, like, I will travel with you wherever uh, I decide to take you, right? Like, yeah. and I think that that kind of pushback is also really critical, right? Like, both things are so, so important. Um,
1: yeah, I'm, I, I preached on this a couple of weeks ago, and... You know, with summer stuff, we're recording a million episodes at once, all out of chronological order and in advance and stuff. So it's hard for me to remember. But, but I, I preached—I uh, mean, I've, I didn't preach the exact same sermon, but I went after the same thing in some of my, like, being on the circuit, because it's a good sermon. And I've talked about, like, um, how—about the past year and how an important part of campus ministry, despite what people think— uh, is, is stability is a really important ministry we provide to students cause whose whole lives are changing, right? So that's where the building comes in, that like, if you can make them think that's their building, like, they're going to move in. Like, and sometimes literally in some in some settings, right? Because they have people who live in the mm-hmm. building, right? Like, yeah. and they will yep. live their whole life and that's a formative thing. But it's also, it's this stability in the midst of, of just chaos and change. And so it's much more of like a... Like a refugee center, you know. I've I've said it before. Campus ministry and ministry with with refugees, I think, is pretty similar, right? Like you're not helping people get like you're a way station on this this journey, yeah. you know. Um, yep. So, you know, big surprise, uh, Matt and I's hot take on whether churches buildings are good or bad is nuanced. <laughs> and uh measured and considered here uh i just you know you just have to have clarity about what you're doing with the building i think yeah Um, and the wind stability and that sort of stuff is what you're trying to do with it that's great right but like you gotta have all the the flavors
0: and it's great that uh the scriptures give us that instead of like giving us a really boring like Here's some. There's some good things about the building, and there's some bad things. About <laughs> yeah. They give you a story. They give you mm-hmm. a story like this uh, with an anthropomorphic god and David and Nathan and all this good stuff. So all those ideas, they're they're already here in a much more interesting format.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good story, but it's also really like I had to read it a couple of times because I was like, I mean, I know what's happening here, like within the larger like I can place it but what does it actually say like what is God because God kind of says no <laughs> but then they like but then God's like no I'm going to build it later <laughs> and it's like it's kind of it's really pretty muddy I think right yeah 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 and this sets up for what's coming uh, I believe it's next week uh, you get one of the most salacious bible stories uh in the bible uh that that centers on happens the the bad stuff happens from the place of David's house of cedar uh so mm-hmm. you you're you're setting up this contrast between what David's house of cedar looks like um and what the God's the house God's building might look like
0: yeah David is already beginning to step into his kingship. Uh, He had the coronation. He had the the inauguration. But now he's really taking on
1: all those characteristics. And maybe, you know, it is worth saying here that that in the ancient Near East, um, houses weren't, they did not yet, they had not yet, uh, they were blessed in that they had not yet invented the suburbs. Uh, And so they didn't have the dreams like a picket fence and like a lawn and all that stuff houses were like a really important element of houses where they defensive utility right we've talked mm-hmm. about it in recent weeks that, that there was an interior courtyard and we talked about it with the gate and the sheep and stuff right like a house was a thing to keep your family safe um mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. needed to be made safe uh and so you know that's maybe that's a more helpful way to like unlock it for for you and your like congregation and setting right like the yeah. church building exists and it's not bad, but but it's not I think that's perhaps a part of what God's rejecting here. Um is your church building there to keep you safe? Is the question and to keep you safe from what, right? Like think about a castle, right? Like that's what David's proposing to build and so run with all of your medieval castle imagery and your imagery of castles in uh, you know, German Austrian Alps. Um because I think that's what, you know, that's what David has in mind, and and that's a part. That's one of the ideas that God is rejecting here. is the, Is not just like you're not going to domesticate me, but it's also a strong way of saying I don't need to be defended, and your walls would not defend me anyway. Um, yeah, we'll take another quick break, a uh, quick construction break here on the Vinyl Preacher, and we'll be back.
0: amen that was really
1: insightful and we're back (laughs) we went to a commercial break (laughs) when I ran out of things to say
0: indeed Uh, one of the fun things when you build your house uh, your temple um, they tell you to have glass doors so Mm. that people can see in (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, which I guess is sometimes good for transparency and other times then people know you're in your office so that's rough Good stuff, Zach.
1: Should we move to the gospel? Well, I guess if we have to. Uh, Matt, I'm not a vegetarian. You're not a vegetarian, but my wife is. And good news for my wife, there's not a whole lot of meat on this bone uh, that we get thrown here in the gospel this week. We're in the sixth chapter of Mark again, cutting and pasting. In the 30s, we have, there are five random verses in the 30s and four random verses in the 50s. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, "'Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while.'" If you're looking for a connection there, he's inviting them to come out from behind walls of a city or a home or a house, like David is, and Nathan are talking about earlier, come out to the dangerous places and rest a while, which is in of itself just a, a bizarre thing to say. Come out, uh, you know, again, it's like, it's like we talked about the other week. Uh, come out to the desert. Come out to uh, Death Valley. Let's, let's relax a little bit. "'For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat.'" And they went away in the boat, which is a detail that I got stuck on this time. That not a boat. It sounds like they had like a team boat, like the a S.S. Team Jesus boat or something. I don't know. It deserves a name. But there was the boat because they're always going back and forth. And uh, I would like to imagine that they had one <laughs> boat that they used, like uh, the the. Oh gosh, what's the what's the boat in in, in um, the old show? Uh, the, Gilligan. What's the book? Yeah. Oh, I don't. That says minnow. The SS minnow. There you go. They get the SS minnow. Thank I remembered you. it. <laughs> to me, forever, just to think of Gilligan's name. <laughs> They went away in the SS minnow to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized him. They hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And then we cut to smash cut, jump cut. When they had crossed over, they came, they get back on the boat. They came to land at Gisineret, Gennesaret, and moored the boat they filled it with moors from Spain. And when they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard that he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and the squares. And they, may, they begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. So two pretty short vignettes that aren't super narrative Um, kind of interesting in that... So next week in the lectionary, we're going to get John's version of the Feeding of the 5,000, which is interesting because that's what we're cutting out here is the Mark version of the Feeding of the Mm. 5,000. So that's interesting. Um, The other thing I would say is that you get a similar tension. Again, this is semi-continuous. I really feel like it should be called uh, semi-complementary because you get the interplay of... um, of the ark and the temple here. You have Jesus taking the disciples to these, we've talked about it a bunch this summer, uh, to deserted places, to wild places outside of the walls, on the seas, right? These places where the uncontrollable mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and so you really get a lot of that in that first reading because Jesus keeps going to those places. And then you hear about Jesus healing and doing stuff in the very center of towns, in the in the middle of marketplaces, in the squares, mm. in the villages, in the cities, inside of the, the farms, which is the houses. Um, Jesus is working Working, the life of God is coming in not just the out-of-the-walls places, but also inside of the, the temple as well. And it, it demonstrates, right, that this is putting a little bit of flesh onto the the murky images of, of, of the God who is in a tent, but also in the temple in the Samuel reading.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. Those are good connections. It is strange. Like, it is a kind of... I don't, it feels like a montage with a song mm-hmm. playing over it. Like, here's some, like... Uh, or maybe this is zoom-out drone footage of... Here's the big picture, uh, widescreen angle of what Jesus is doing. Not a super drill-down-deep uh, kind of things. Although, again, like, there are some, some themes, like you mentioned. Uh, the retreating uh, and the crossing over, mm-hmm. which they got to have that team boat for. But crossing over is such a theme throughout Mark, and here it shows up again. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I he's on this back this. and forth, okay. you know, between the Gentile and the Judean spaces mm-hmm. and places, you know, going back and forth. The insiders yeah. and the outsiders as well. In mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. oh, Matthew's the multicultural gospel, excuse me. <laughs> it's the only one. The other ones are the not. The other ones are not that. multicultural. It's monocultural gospels. Mark clearly as
0: well. All this usually the crossing over involves uh, going from Jewish to Gentile territory, or at least some kind of like uh, cultural crossing as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, because in that way, right? Like, you know, I love maps. Matt, we love maps on the podcast, and uh, one of the fun things about maps are the one of the the things you're supposed to do when you do your your neighborhood walk with your church, and you get out the map. Uh, is you mm-hmm. get to recognize some things, right? Like railroad tracks, like the saying, like other side of the tracks is like based in reality. <laughs> you know, it's not just a saying that, that if you look at a demographic map and lay it over where railroad tracks are at, you will see big demographic changes. They're real barriers to cultures and connections and people. Um, and they, you know, matter. They separate people. And that's true, certainly, of the Sea of Galilee uh, in, in a Mark. It is a railroad track.
0: Yeah, ooh, I like that. The bodies of water as railroad tracks. Ha! Boom, boom. Feels like it's time to put "Born on a Train" on here again. Oh. That's just,
1: I know I, just. I know you want to do it. I want to put it Henry. on there every week. I can make it <laughs> work. What, what, uh, what are we listening? What are we listening to? I'm gonna put on the playlist. Uh, "No Church in the Wild." Is what Dave, oh, uh, wow. David is trying to say, uh, but I think Kanye and Jay Z and Frank Ocean uh, might have said it a little uh, better, at least in terms of tracks on Spotify. Then Matt, uh, this is this is a, a left turn for me. You weren't expecting this, I know. Putting Miranda Lambert's "The House That Built Me," uh, lots of good house epi- uh, songs. It's pretty, like, pop country and immediately goes to, like, your feel buttons, right? Like, in a way that, that goes so quickly in straight lines there that feels manipulative. But, um, you know, that's what pop country is, and that's a good version of it. And um, and yeah. it actually does a good job, because she's going back, you know, it's a ballot. She goes back to the house she grew up in and, like, mm-hmm. is like, I know you don't know me and stuff, right? So it's this, like, it, it, it plays with the tension of, like, Here's the house. You do but it's all. It's also gone, right? You can't ever really go back to the, to the temple. Um, so that works. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's the, the summer of Prince. Matt has been challenging. Uh, it's been enjoyable. I've enjoyed listening to Prince. Uh, I've enjoyed your your Prince tidbits, but it does for for musically the 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 talent the diversity the things prince is able to do it's really remarkable in terms of like lyrical content it feels like he's really just got a couple of lanes and one of the lanes is (laughs) i want to be your lover which is literally you know Mm -hmm. perhaps was the first like major single uh and uh the other ones is i am making love to you or and the other ones are like let's not or break up right like it's those are like the three main main lanes that he that he gets into uh and this is definitely a, i want to be your lover version because the crowds are chasing jesus all over the place essentially singing i want to be your lover in some <laughs> <before> <laughs> wow wow well done Oof. well done what are you listening to man yeah, I'll do. Uh, I'll just
0: do three Prince songs hmm. from the Sign the of the Times Princes. album. That's about the where I'm at in the chronology, uh, <laughs> which is an album I have on vinyl, and I really, I really, enjoy, it's like my that's that's my jam. Uh, fun fact: I may I talked about this before. That uh, album was nominated for album of the year the same year that the Joshua Tree was mm. also nominated for album of the year. And guess who won? And guess who was pissed? All right. <laughs> um, uh, oh, fun Fun fact, too, uh, that I also learned. So the other album that was nominated for Album of the Year in 1987, this probably would have been 88 the year after, but all these albums came out in 87, was Michael Jackson's Bad. So you got Michael Jackson's Bad, Prince's Sign of the Times, and U2's The Joshua Train. Uh, Fun fact about Michael Jackson's Bad, the single Bad, NJ uh, originally wanted Prince to duet with him on that track, that that would have been... And if you recall, the video, because uh, I know you're really deep into Michael Jackson videos, Zach. That's super. Uh, but it is like West Side Story. It's like the fight in the subway kind of mm. thing. Like, that's what's going on. I think Martin Scorsese directed it. I'm almost certain of that. It's so insane. <laughs> I was it's thinking it was, so so it was like the Dick wish-
1: Tracy ver- like
0: <laughs>
1: Cartoon <laughs> no, that's version. No, like with
0: the little hat. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So you could just imagine Prince and Michael Jackson facing off this West Side Story style thing. And Prince was like, you don't need me for this song. And he said, no. (laughs) Incredible stuff. Incredible (laughs) stuff. But what could have been? What could have been? (laughs) Anyway, three tracks for this week. Uh, Sign of the Times, which is like he just like mentions all these things in the news. It's a good little song, but it kind of reminds me of this gospel text where we're kind of going from place to place. Um, It feels like a like a montage kind of thing. Uh, if we want to have a song with the house, Housequake, also on that album.
1: Which, uh, <laughs> I did listen to Housequake uh, as I was Housequake. looking for And that's the first time I'd ever heard Housequake.
0: <laughs> right? Apparently it was popular, though, in uh, '87. Uh, and then the closing track on that album is called The Cross. And it's like the most mm. gospel-y thing. Oh, yeah. I need to listen to that. It's one. actually
1: like uh, religious. It's like.
0: <laughs> and famously, <laughs> so we'll put, he was uh, religious, you know? Yeah well yeah, especially yeah near the end of his life. Jehovah's Witness. But um yeah, we'll put the we'll put the cross on there this time. There you go. Well
1: that's a playlist,
0: man. That's a playlist. It's been real. Real vinyl.